So new year, new series. We're going to jump into a study in the book of Colossians. If you don't know where that is, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. And then I, I've always loved this little deal. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Formerly a youth minister, all right? It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. And the, the theme of our series, of course, it could be many things, but the theme of this series in Colossians as we walk through the book is this idea built up in Christ. Before 2020 ended, I was speaking to one of our beloved staff members. By the way, when you see some Christ Church staff, give them a hug because they worked extra hard this last year, as did most of you. And she said to me, she said, you know what we just really need right now is to be built up. <laughs> Everything is a, everything's a tear down. Everything's in question. Everything's in flux. It just seems like the foundations are being shaken. We need to be built up. And as I meditated on that statement, I thought, man, I, I really feel that. And then at the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve, guess what? I was still feeling that. I feel like this was the most anticlimactic New Year's Eve of all time, at least in my 39 years of life. It was like, okay, it's 2021, and we're still in the middle of all of it. There was this faint hope that we all had, right? August. August, as the memes were circulating, 2020, what a disaster. You, you, you almost dared to hope that when the bell struck midnight, when the ball dropped in New York, there'd be a significant change. Well, guess what? There kind of hasn't been. There's some good things happening, there's some challenging things happening, and we're still in it. We're still in the same stuff. And I don't know about you, but even in the last few days, getting some time to rest and be with my family, I'm just feeling kind of tired, kind of weary. You know, it, it's hard to, to rile yourself up again, you know, for round 17 of the stuff. And yet Paul here writing to a church that's in the middle of its own challenges and turmoil, he starts with thanks. And so I thought to myself, geez, we need to be built up. But here's a good place to start, to start with thanksgiving. In 2021, I want to I grow. <laughs> I want you to grow. I want us to grow together in Christ. I want to have a little less fear, a little less need to be in control of everything. Honestly, I'd like to complain a little bit less. That's kind of a coping mechanism that, you know, releases a bit of dopamine. You feel better for a minute, but it ultimately does nothing but tear you down. I want to begin with thanks. I want to continue with thanks. I don't want to turn a blind eye to the world and be naive and bury my head in the sand, but I want to open my eyes to the truest truths around me, come what may, given the circumstances. That's precisely what the book of Colossians does lifts up our heads, builds us up in Christ. And so as I turned from tired to thanks, I began to recount all the things that I actually can be thankful for, even in this last year. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you people and the church that God's given us and the community and the family that we have. And I mean, even as I look around this room, knowing what so many of you went through in this last year and how so many Others of you were able to love those going through hard things. Man, I'm thankful for this church. 
thankful for the opportunity and the call to serve here. I'm thankful for God's grace to me. You know, food on the table, hot water in the shower, but ultimately that God showed grace to me, a sinner, and saved me. Saved me from all of my fleeting and futile attempts to save myself. Which, by the way, when you become a professional religious person, only get more subtle and more insidious and more dangerous. I think that's what Paul does for us in Colossians. He helps us to refocus on the world out there and the trials, not forgetting those things, but walking into them with bold courage and thankfulness. And yet we get to be real too. That's what I love about Jesus. That's what I love about a personal relationship with a personal God, right? Not just a rule book, not just some force out there in the ether that you have to, you know, empty yourself sufficiently, surrounded by crystals and become nothing so that you can be one with the force. The force doesn't know your name. The force doesn't care about you. The force doesn't have hands and feet to come down and be crucified and die for your sins. That's bad news. And I love that in Jesus, we get to have thankfulness and realness. We get to give thanks and be refocused and reoriented and at the same time say, you know what, this is hard right now. The circumstances are difficult. We do feel shaken. We do feel torn down. We need to be built up. We feel needy. We feel weak. And we don't want to feel weak. And we certainly don't want to look weak to the people around us. For those of us who are Christians, we know that it's even more than that. Life is spiritual. It's not merely the circumstances of matter and the fates aimlessly transgressing the universe. But instead, there's a real spiritual battle. Our our battle's not against flesh and blood, but spiritual. And so the pressures that we face are real. And I'm happy to report that as with every book in the Bible, Colossians allows us to enter into those real challenges and pressures because the church in Colossae is certainly facing them, as you'll see. And so what does Paul do here in the midst of all this? He writes a letter. Paul. Paul, who was formerly Saul of Tarsus, right? Persecutor of the church, probably there when Stephen was stoned to death and executed in the book of Acts. Paul was not a good dude before he came to Jesus. It would have been very difficult for you and me and all of us to trust Paul. And yet now he presents himself as not only an apostle, but a servant, a bondservant, a slave to Christ. And he writes this letter to this little struggling, needy, insignificant church. This little church in Colossae in the Lycus Valley used to be a pretty popular place, used to be on a major trade route. Now it's just kind of an insignificant city with a little community of Christians. And Paul writes this letter. And he writes this letter because I think we need to be reminded in 2021 that God cares about his church. He will build up his church. He is building up his church. He will build you up in Christ. He has promises for you if you're here and you're breathing or you're watching and you're breathing. He's not done with you. And so Paul sets out in the thanks and the realness, in the the tensions of life to build us up in the only thing that lasts. We've already sang about it multiple times this morning. How firm a foundation. All my hope is in Jesus. And so in this short introduction, this prayer, I think Paul gives us a blueprint. A blueprint for how to be built up. A blueprint for how to be built up in 2021. How to be built up and effective, 
strong in, in who we are and useful in what we're called to do in 2021 in Santa Fe, among your family and your friends and the haunts that you spend time in and the people that you know and the folks at your work who are very difficult to love. A blueprint to be built up in 2021. And in our text, there's really, I think, three main ways that this is accomplished. The first, of course, well, I'll read them all off. Why not? Why not? You want to take notes, you can write these down. The first is a firm foundation. The second is the right tools. Foundation, tools, and the third is an expansion mindset. Not a scarcity mentality, but an expansion mindset. Foundation, tools, expansion. We need a firm foundation if we're going to be built up in Christ. And unfortunately, how we're doing and how we're feeling in any given moment is about the world's greatest quicksand, is it not? So Paul prays, and his prayer begins with thanks. Thanks that they are in Christ. I want you to notice that in verse 2. It's so easy to pass it by. It's, it's a normal opening to a letter, to an epistle. We almost wouldn't notice it. But Paul says to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters, it's plural there in the Greek, Adelphoi, so it's probably brothers and sisters, in Christ. For Paul, this is the heart of, of what it means to be living in the new kingdom of God. Not yet, because there's a lot of bad stuff in the world, but now. Because Jesus is risen and the Holy Spirit has come and the kingdom is coming through the Spirit, through the church, through the people. They are in Christ. They have union with Christ. And so here is the firm foundation. Here is why Paul overflows in thankfulness. Because Jesus has them. They are found in Christ. They are hidden with Christ in God. They belong to Jesus. They are his sons and daughters. They are brothers and sisters to Paul. It's an unshakable promise. And as a result of this firm foundation, we see that the people in Colossae are, are faithful. Does it mean that they're perfect? No. But because of God's faithfulness to them, they are faithful. They don't believe the lies. They don't believe the false gods. And Paul writes, and I hope you, you can see this in the way that he begins in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. There's just a deep tenderness here. There's a deep love here. Right, so most of you in this room are Christians. Every week we come to let God's word expose us, to do surgery on us. Sometimes we talk about preaching or teaching as like the law and the gospel. Right, so we come in and we let the law kind of show us where, honestly, we can't save ourselves. We're horrible saviors and all of our little functional saviors that we've propped up in our life with all these crutches can't save. And so in one sense, every week we come low to the cross, needy of forgiveness. But then, of course, every week we hear the gospel and we're raised up again in Christ. But what we don't do is say, okay, great, the church is gathered. The Lord's people are here. Now let's beat everybody up. Now we're just going to beat you up and make you feel as low and as worthless as possible. You're all worms, you know. Fire, brimstone, and other tricks of the trade. And then pass the plate right after that. We don't do that. 
Because if you are already in Christ, if you are united to Christ, if you are hidden with Christ in God, then yes, you, you have stuff that the Lord is working on. You know you do, right? I mean, when you first became a Christian, it's easy to, you know, stop drinking, stop smoking crazy stuff, stop hooking up with girls, stop doing all the really, really bad things. But then the longer you're a Christian, what happens? The more you see, whoa, I, Jesus, I need thee every hour. Oh my goodness, is this how deep the rabbit hole goes? I'm so deeply shaped by my fears, my insecurities, family of origin, need, shame, stuff that happens, stuff that hasn't happened, all these things. I'm human, all too human. And God doesn't bring us into this place to beat us up and yell at us. If you're in Jesus Christ, you already have the hope of the gospel. You're already united to him. And so Paul in his tenderness is so quick to, to say, I'm, I'm glad you've been faithful. It doesn't at all minimize the work of Christ. It maximizes it. It's because of the work of Christ. It's because they are in Christ that they are faithful. And for that, Paul is tender. You know, I, I think it was at the Advent journey, if you were there, it was led by Margaret and, and Ben Allison and, and Bill. And Bill, I think, Bill Adair, I think said this at the Advent journey. I've heard you say it a few times, so I, I might be wrong. But when you close your eyes, we're going to do this right now. Everybody ready? Online people too. All right. Put your coffee down in your PJs. I know what you're doing. Close your eyes. And if you imagine, do it. Some of you are still have your eyes open. And you imagine God the Father looking at you right now. What does his face look like? Is he scowling? Is he busy with something else? Is he indifferent? Is he half happy but half disappointed? Is he a little bit ashamed? You can open your eyes. The fact that these brothers and sisters are in Christ means that when we close our eyes and we see the face of God, as it were, metaphorically looking down upon us, God is smiling upon us, just like Paul is smiling upon these Colossians. Of course, they have challenges and issues and sin and brokenness and all kinds of stuff that Jesus is going to uproot in their lives and help them with and sanctify them in and make them more holy and more beautiful. But they're in Christ. And so God smiles upon them, not for their sake, but for the sake of Jesus. And because of Jesus, now they are adopted into the family. And so it's real. It's not like, oh, you know, when God looks at you, he just sees Jesus. Well, when God looks at you, he sees you covered in the finished work of Jesus. He sees you wearing the royal robe of the righteousness of Christ, but he actually sees you. He actually knows your name and cares about you and loves you and is tender and smiling upon you because of Christ. So I love this quote. It's a great book, by the way. By a guy named Dane Ortland. The book is Gentle and Lowly. Here's the quote. The cumulative testimony of all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is this. When Christ sees the fallenness of the world all about him, broken people trapped in shame and need just like us, the deepest impulse of Jesus, indeed his most natural instinct, is to move toward sin and suffering, not away from it.
That is the firm foundation upon which we stand. That we are in Christ and therefore there is hope for needy people, needy churches, and the church in Colossae is surely needy. We'll see more of this as we go through the book, but folks, it's only 60 AD for crying out loud. Jesus died 30 years ago. The Holy Spirit has come and already they are facing every issue that every church you have ever been in has faced. They've got it all. Okay, they've got it all, just like us. They're human. It's not an issue of when they are found in time, but it's a heart issue. They've got Caesar looking over their shoulder. They've got people in their community really wigged out because they're following Jesus. Why aren't you worshiping the local deities anymore? You're not worshiping the local deities. You're worshiping Jesus. Well, now if a flood comes and ruins the crops, who do you think they're going to blame? The weirdo Christians. And on top of all that, as we'll see in Colossians, they've already been influenced by this thing, kind of like you see in the, the letter to the Galatians, of, you know, it's this theology of Jesus plus all this other stuff. It's not enough to just be in Christ and rest and be loved by God and love God and love your neighbor. No, you have to be at church nine times a week. You have to be in seven small groups. You have to do 48 good works a day. And when you're not doing that, you've got to beat yourself properly to remind God that, you know, you're trying your best. They've been sucked into this idea of adding laws and rituals and religion is, is going to help them. We'll see later on in the book. And by the way, so much of this is tempting. Power, pleasure, self-help. That somehow to be in Christ is not enough. Or that if we add to it, God will love us a little bit more. You know, if we add to it, God's going to love us a little bit more. To all this, Paul begins with an affirmative no. Mixing anything else into the concrete of the foundation is going to create something that can be easily washed away in any storm. No, the firm foundation is Christ alone. And that's why along with thankfulness as a main theme in the book of Colossians, the supremacy of Christ is all over this book. And folks, let me just say that that's, that's kind of the energy we need in 2021. You know, not a list of 10 things that you can do right now to make your life better. Now, don't get me wrong. The reason that epistles exist, letters, is because, I mean, why didn't they just stop at the Gospels and Acts, right? Could have just stopped at the Gospels and Acts. Paul writes all these letters. Why? Because you need to practically apply the gospel to all these churches, to all these situations. So the Bible isn't opposed to being practical, to all of our very practical needs. And lists aren't a bad thing. But at the end of the day, the, what we need in 2021 to be built up is to look up. What we need to be built up is to look up. To have our feet planted on the rock, the firm foundation. Jesus himself. Jesus is king. Jesus has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He will not abandon you. There might be way harder things to come in this year. I saw some super weird, because I read weird stuff on the internet. I know some of y'all do too. Some of y'all are like dark web weirdos. You go way down the rabbit hole. You believe some very strange things. I've talked to a few of you about it. And I, some weirdo was like, oh man, 2021 is going to be like aliens and zombies. And it's like, well, here we go. Nothing would surprise me at this point. Aliens and zombies, bring it on. So we begin with a firm foundation. 
And that's why they have the right tools. Well, what are the right tools? Paul has used these three words on several occasions. Did you notice? Faith, hope, and love, but not in that order. Faith, love, and hope. The Colossians believe, and their faith, again, is a saving grace. It's a gift. It's something that they have received. Look at verse 6 here. The gospel which has come to you. Faith is a gift. They receive and they rest upon Jesus. And they're free in that. 1 Peter chapter 2, we already read it in our call to worship. No shame. This is the gospel for Christians, by the way. This is why we need to do this every week. Because we walk out this door and our hearts are so prone to wander. I was a youth minister many years ago at Desert Springs Church. And of course, I knew all the right things. I had been to seminary. I had done all these things. And I'll never forget going to camp that year. And the guy that was doing the music was a guy named Charlie Hall, who I'm guessing most of you have never heard of. And he had a song called Marvelous Light. And one of the lines in that song basically said, into marvelous light I'm running, out of darkness, out of shame. And this was just one of those moments. It doesn't happen very often. And I don't live for this, although I do long for it. It was just one of those moments where I just felt the power of God's Holy Spirit on my life. And as I sang that verse, out of shame, it was like, I don't know, it was like a burden coming off of me. It was like being relieved from my past and foolishness and sin and lust and all kinds of other stuff. And it wasn't anything that that happened, you know, because I, I conjured that up. It was just simply believing the word that came to me. Believe in the promise that was spoken to me. Man, if, if your faith is in Jesus, you can, be, you can be out of shame. But Lord, you don't know what I've done. I mean, there's like some things. You know, you don't know what I'm struggling with right now or this thing that's going on with someone in my What He knows. And so they believe. They believe. And this leads, of course, to them loving one another. At the end, we find out that they love each other in the spirit. They love each other as, as Christians or ought to love one another. And this love is self-sacrificial, giving love. It's radical love. It's not easy love. It's not cheap love. It's costly. I came upon this quote that I thought was pretty interesting. Of course, we know that many religions promote some version of love. Of course, that's not true for all religions. Some say that power and glory are the way to go. Some say that pleasure and escape are the path. But for the ones that say that you are to love and must love, if they are missing the power of love itself, the saving grace of a savior, then the command to love still comes as a law. You better love. You better love rightly. You better love the unlovely. Do this. Love people. Just be loving. But have you ever tried to really love someone who is really hard to love over a long period of time? I mean, really hard love. Or love when you feel unloved. Or love when you're exhausted of love. Or have given love, but none has been reciprocated. That's why we need more than a law of love. Rules and right directions and how-tos. But we need a gospel of love. A loving Savior who first loved us. And so they love one another. They become a radical community in the Roman Empire of what it looks like to love one another. 
in a place of scarcity and local deities and trying to appease the gods and everybody's just trying to do their own thing. These people turn into a crazy, wild, Jesus-loving, hippie commune. Read the book of Acts, the first four chapters again, I dare you. I dare us as a church, enough. Let's read the first four chapters of Acts again. Acts chapter two. All the believers were one in heart and mind. None of them considered any of their possessions to be their own, but each gave to one another as there was need. And what did they do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, prayer, the breaking of bread, and fellowship. And the Holy Spirit came down, moved among them, and many, many people were being added to their number every day. Because those in the Greco-Roman Empire and the Jews were like, what is up with these weirdos? Why are they giving up of themselves? Why are they laying down their lives? Those who have nothing are giving. Those who have everything are giving. And no one has any needs. You see the same thing in Acts chapter 4. That's our call. That's the call of the church. That's what it means to be built up in Christ. Not only a firm foundation, but using the tools of Jesus to love one another deeply from the heart. Deeply and sacrificially and radically in a way that your friends and your neighbors in Santa Fe go, you guys are super weird. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense because the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of the world. Now, this all leads to hope, hope that we're told that is laid up for them in heaven because they know who they are. They're persecuted little church. They don't have a nice building. They don't have all these resources. They probably don't even have a video camera. And they're persecuted. And yet they're powerful. They're persecuted, but they're powerful because they know who they are in Christ. Paul knows. He says, I'm an apostle. I'm called to die, to be a servant by the will of God. Westminster Shorter Catechism says, what what is your chief end? Why are you here? I mean, you're here for a lot of good things to eat, drink, be merry, to feast, to leave a legacy, to leave a legacy to your children and your children's children and even their children. Those are all great things. But ultimately, our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so the question is asked of you and me, do you have the tools? Do you have the tools? Faith, love, hope. Do you know why you're here? Do you know who you are? Do you know what your purpose is on this earth? Even as we all, we all have to do the mundane stuff. You're going to go home. Some of us are going to fill out spreadsheets. Somebody's going to pick up some dog poo. All the normal mundane stuff of life is not to be despised. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. But do you know why you're here in Santa Fe? Why God has brought you here to this church? It's so that faith, love, and hope might abound. So now what? Lastly and quickly, I promise, an expansion mindset. This is what it is to be built up in Christ, to stand on the firm foundation of being in Christ, union with Christ, to have the right tools that flow from Christ, and now to use them. Grace grows. Paul tells us in verse 6, it grows a tree, a tree that bears fruit. You see, every one of the epistles that Paul writes, all these letters, they're missionary letters. They're missionary letters. Timothy is sent. Barnabas is sent. Epaphras is sent. Why is all this happening? Why are the people of God to to live in this glorious space of knowing Jesus and faith and love and hope? So that 
so that they can be useful in the world, so that they can not just sit on the couch in God's house. Welcome to God's house. Sit on the couch and eat potato chips. No. Go build. Flex your muscles. The kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we should be like the ultimate habitat for humanity. We're the ultimate habitat for humanity. If you are on a firm foundation, if you're being built up in Christ, if you've got the tools, guess what? Go build some more homes. No scarcity. I know we're in the high desert, and there's never enough of anything in the high desert. There's not enough water. For me personally, there's not enough chili con queso. There's never enough. I understand. That's deeply embedded in our mentality here. But Paul says no. Even to this little persecuted church, an expansion mindset is necessary. Or else they're just eating and eating and eating all these steaks and sitting on the couch. We know where that ends. And if you're like me, you've got excuses. You hear resolutions, you've got excuses. But did you know that Paul, as he writes this letter, where is he? He's in prison. Do you know that? Paul is in prison. He's, he's on house arrest in Rome as he writes this letter. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. I mean, Paul loves the Colossians. Yeah, does he? He's never even been there. Paul's never been there, most likely. And so here's all these potential excuses that Paul might have, but no. Love overcomes fear. And even though it looks funny to the Romans and other onlookers, Paul understands that he and the church are a steward, an ambassador of all the gifts of Jesus Christ. So we can end here. Who, who needs you to have this expansion mindset? Who needs you to write a letter? Who needs you to hit send? 2020 is uncertain. I was just talking with Sandy. I mean, we know. Some of you are medical professionals. You've talked to me. I mean, depression is up. We all feel some of it. Sadness, loneliness. People hurting themselves. Unfortunately, man, there's some... I was just telling Sandy, like, if you didn't have this community, if you didn't have the resurrection, how would you do it right now? If your whole hope was built on, like, the never-ending upward climb of a glorious thing by, built by human beings, right now, your spirits would be crushed. I would be the most cynical person in the world if it weren't for Jesus. But because of Jesus, we can ask that simple question. Who needs to get your letter? Who needs to hear your story? Who has God put in your life that you need to hit send? That you need to go build that house? That you need to take your tools on the road? In some ways, we have some of the easiest discipleship opportunities we've ever had. It could be as simple as, hey, you know, here's a link to my service. I'm not trying to be a weirdo and proselytize you, but we're living in a weird time and, you know, give it a watch got this super weird, flailing, spastic young pastor and, you know, check him out. Whatever. Write your letter. So in the end, that's the blueprint to being built up in Christ. Colossians will invite us to stand throughout on this firm foundation, Jesus himself. To use the tools that God has given us to build and be built up and to flee scarcity and instead hit send. And that way in 2021, whatever comes our way, we can not only begin with thanks, but we can end with it as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much.
And we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your mercy to us. Lord Jesus, would you please build us up in who you are and all your promises? We need it, Lord. We, we get, I love it. We get to be so real about the tension of, yes, Jesus, you saved us, sinners. But Jesus, man, do we need, man, do we need your help. Because you know what? The temptations are tempting, and the pressures are real, and the tiredness is a reality for us so many days. We don't have to hide. There's no shame In the same breath, we can be brought needy to your cross and built up with the tender love of a father and the power of the resurrection. So would you give us a taste of that now? As we come to the table, as we come to this Lord's Supper, would you give us a living taste of all of those realities? Would you nourish us? Would you build us up here at this table? Would you meet us in your real spiritual presence and be near to us in all of our challenges and trials? Would you build us up and would you use us? Pray in Jesus' name, amen.